Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Equity Global Markets Podcast, a collaboration by the Kenyan Wall Street and EGM Securities, where we feature discussions around major themes and developments in global securities and global markets. My name is Prince Moragori. I am the Chief Economist at eConsult Africa, and I also serve as the resident economist here at the Kenyan Wall Street. We are joined by Gaurav Kashyap, Market Strategist at EGM Futures Dubai, and by Mark Lee, a senior trader at Equity Capital in London. Gaurav and Mark, indeed, we are very happy to have you and are excited to listen to what you have prepared for our listeners today. The floor is yours. You may now proceed with the discussion. Thank you so much for that very kind intro, Prince. Um, Welcome to all our listeners. Um, Mark, glad to be speaking to you again this Monday morning. I hope you had a very, very nice Easter and a very, very nice Easter to all our listeners. Mark, this Monday was all about the chatter, was about the crude oil and the landmark OPEC deal from this past weekend. We had an announcement that 23 countries came together, led by OPEC leaders Saudi Arabia, the United States and Russia, uh, and they would cumulatively and collectively cut 9.7 million barrels per day in production. That represents around 13% of the total world's production. This deal is in a bid to navigate the demand glut as a result of the coronavirus fallout. Worldwide lockdowns have slammed demand for gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, and come on the back of simmering tensions between Saudi Arabia and Russia. How do you perceive this deal, Mark? It's quite a turnaround from where we were just a few weeks ago. Indeed it is. Uh, It's a great turnaround. Uh, As you stated, Gaurav, we now have a deal. So after days of conference calls and negotiations that appear to go right down to the wire, deal is finally being made. It's the largest single output in the in history, so it's a very historic deal. And it's a deal that puts an end to this devastating price war between Russia and Saudi. Um, with so many oversized characters involved and so much at stake, these first signs of collaboration and compromise, they're very positive. Um, but it definitely didn't appear to be a smooth journey on the way to a deal. Um, the focal hurdle being Mexico's stance. So it's a nation that was it, it is desperate to revive its domestic oil industry and a nation that was hedged via put options against this price downtrend. So in what's branded the largest and most secretive annual oil deal on Wall Street, Mexico haven't suffered anywhere near as much financial damage during this price collapse. That in turn translated into negotiating power. So eventually it took a helping hand from Mr. Trump. Um, He agreed to cut on behalf of his geographical neighbor. Um, Mr. Trump would have been more eager than most to broker a deal. U.S. energy companies have a far shorter lifespan than their Russian and Saudi competitors at these prices. So that's very understandable. That's a great point, Mark. I don't think I've ever recalled in the history of any of these OPEC meetings that the U.S. have ever been so willing and active in uh, forging a pact uh, such as what we've encountered this past weekend. And this will no doubt be a feather in the cap of President Trump and will get him some more goodwill with his allies in the U.S. oil industry, particularly those in the shale industry who have come under immense pressure in recent weeks because of such low oil prices. Under this deal, Mark, Mexico, as you'd mentioned, agreed to cut close to 100,000 barrels. That's now around 250,000 less than what Saudi Arabia had wanted from the Mexicans. However, this pledge by the US to cover Mexico's shortage has seen Mexico resist this foreign pressure, particularly from the Saudis, to enhance their cuts in a bid to protect their domestic oil industry, as you had rightly mentioned. It's been seen in the media that the Mexican president, uh, Mr. Andreas Manuel Lopez Obrador, wanted to beef up and rescue Mexican petrol giant Petroleos Mexicanos, more famously known as 
Pemex. For now, it's clear, not clear, sorry, how Mexico would reimburse the U.S. in the future for this shortfall. But in the meantime, it's a crisis that's been averted for the global energy players and for the financial markets in general. Crude markets have opened slightly stronger at this Monday morning's open. The NYMEX May contract, set to expire on April 21st, moved as high as $24.55 a barrel before moving lower towards the channel between $23 and $23.50 a barrel. While we can safely say the announcement sees a lot of unnecessary volatility removed from the markets, it's clear a lot of the upside momentum happened in the lead up to the announcement when crude touched as high as $28.40 a barrel in trading last week. Mark, what do you make of this announcement and what are you expecting to see for crude prices going forward? It's very interesting. We have a deal. If you look deeper into the numbers, um, the deal's a 9.7 million barrel per day cut which will begin on May the 1st and extend through to the end of June. The cuts will then taper to 7.7 million barrels per day, and that will go from July through to the end of 2020. They'll then be tapered again to 5.8 million barrels a day, and that will last from January 2021 through until April 22. But the big question is, is that going to be enough? Uh, We know because of COVID-19, demand is at historically low levels. So of course, this production cut is positive on the surface, but in my opinion, it's far from enough to counteract that diminishing demand. Reportedly, it's a demand decrease that's in the region of 30 to 35 million barrels per day. Um, so there's no doubt this deal provides some relief for oil prices. But I think this relief is going to be very, very temporary. Uh, whilst demand remains contained, fundamentally, I remain bearish. So specific to the price of WTI, my area of interest and market participation is around the $29 region. So I'm looking to short around there with a with a stop above that previous 31.50 high. I'm looking for price to turn back towards that 20.50 low. So that's a downside risk of $2.50, and I'm targeting an upside reward of $8.50. So it's a very healthy risk, the downside risk, sorry. I like your angle here, Mark. Again, looking at shorting opportunities at 29 bucks a barrel. However, for me personally, I would have liked to see a larger reaction to the OPEC news. However, supply and demand constraints as a result of the coronavirus fallout we'll see energy prices remain anemic in the short-term future. As you've correctly stated, Mark, um, that 30 million barrels a day is a very, very key figure because that is what market analysts are predicting could be the fall in potential demand requirements going forward. And that figure represents up to 30% of global crude consumption, which, which currently sits at around 90 million barrels of crude consumption a day. It's going to be a very, very interesting few weeks to see how the prices of crude pan out. Um, I'm still not very comfortable building crude positions at the moment, but I still remain confident in my previous uh, podcast's call of uh, longing gold. I mean, the last time we spoke, which was back on the 30th of March, I suggest within two weeks' time, and we currently have the precious metal sat just below my take-profit target of 1703. Last I checked, it was about 1690 at the time of this recording. I think we, we should see a test of these levels in the days ahead, so that trade is very much still on. And like two weeks ago, I maintained long positions in the precious metal in that channel between 1560 and 1580 a troy ounce. Mark, looking elsewhere around the markets... We had the U.S. weekly jobless claims uh, come out last Thursday. The week ending April 4th, the print came in at 6.6 million new jobless. Overall, it's a shortened trading week with several markets observing Easter holidays. Uh, However, there are some key data releases I'll be keeping an eye out for this week. On Tuesday, we have Chinese trade figures due up 21.30 GMT time. Exports are expected to have contracted from China to minus 14%. That's a slight improvement from the previous reading of minus 17.2%. 17.2% mark. Yeah, indeed we do, Gaurav. Um, that's a very good point. 
And as you said, the, those exports are going to be a key indicator of both the health of, of the uh, supply chain and seeing if we, uh, we're getting renewed international demand. And on Wednesday, data that comes at 12.30 GMT, that's a forecast of negative 7% versus the, the previous spot 5%. So that's definitely a figure to be mindful of. Absolutely, Mark. And following these two data points, we also have the Bank of Canada rate decision on Wednesday. Uh, that's due out at 1400 GMT. This is going to be a very, very key, another key central bank meeting where markets can largely expect some additional stimulus measures to be announced for Canada. This could present some interesting opportunities in the USD CAD cross, which after hitting 1.4670 levels has since retraced back to sub 140 levels. There's definitely going to be a volatility around that, I agree. Chinese GDP numbers, those come in the early hours of Friday morning, and those numbers are expected to reflect. Lots to look forward to, Mark. Thank you once again so much for your time this week. Prince, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Over to you. Thank you very much, Gaurav and Mark. Well, from our end, uh, our team at the Kenyan Wall Street, thanks you for your amazing and detailed discussion. And we look forward to having you on the next one. We also thank you, our dear listener, for tuning in. Indeed, we hope that you have learned some valuable insights from our discussions. Stay tuned for future podcasts with thought leaders in the East African markets and beyond. Feel free to follow our social media pages at Kenyan Wall Street on Twitter, Telegram, and LinkedIn. You can also follow me at Prince underscore Muraguri on Twitter. With that, thank you all. Stay safe and goodbye.